Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New York Giants. This is the Giants Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Giants Wire editor, Dan Benton. Hey there, and welcome into our Week 15 episode for the regular season. Dan, you feel like breaking down this Giants-Chargers game, or would you rather just talk about Michael Strahan getting shot up into space on one of Jeff Bezos' rockets? And How you feeling this morning? How you feeling this well, week? I'll tell you what, I'm not really a guy who likes to live in the past unless we're talking about the Super Bowl, so uh, maybe maybe we should look ahead to something else that's going on. I would love to talk about Strahan getting blasted into space, but... Uh, Giants fans don't seem to be interested in anything that has to do with the Giants right now, so we're going to have to toe the line carefully. Yeah, Giants fans are, uh, you can't blame them. Can't blame them for the state we're all in right now. And friendly reminder to fans who are listening to the show to hit that subscribe button for us. Just search the Giants Wire wherever you get your podcasts. Could be Apple Podcasts, Google Pods, Spotify, whatever works best for you. We appreciate each and every one of you. Dan, I thought we could start this week uh, talking about the head coach and what to make of Joe Judge's future With the Giants, there's reports out there that Judge's job is safe, and that's even if ownership kind of nudges Dave Gettleman out. Judge, after they played the Cowboys, that'll be a 30-game sample size, and uh, if they lose that ball game, as a lot of us are expecting, he'll be 10-20 and as the Giants coach. But he kind of came out and said, you know, and I'm paraphrasing, look, I wouldn't have taken this job if I thought I'd be fired after two seasons, right? So he expects to be here, and the reports are that Giants fans should expect Judge to be here not only next year but beyond, right? How are you feeling about that? Uh, potentially beyond, but we'll, we'll see how things shake out. I, I'm not surprised to see the reports that you know he's not going anywhere in 2022. I, you know, as as you know, and anybody who listens to this podcast, there's never been this expectation that Judge is going to be one of the guys that are going to get you know shown the door. Obviously, there were some questions in recent weeks whether or not you know the ownership would be able to sit back and relax and just be okay with what they've seen and not want to blow the entire thing up. But you've heard me say it time and again, John Mara, he's, he's a guy that really likes consistency and he doesn't like that. They've gotten away from the consistency over the past decade. Um, He's admitted that perhaps he was a little too impatient with Pat Shermer and maybe shouldn't have been so quick to pull the trigger on that. He promised when he hired Joe judge that he was going to give him more time. And, you know, obviously now the reports are coming out that they do intend to give him more time. So really shouldn't come as much of a surprise, but at the same time, and it seems, you know, like a foregone conclusion at this point that whether he's fired or is forced to retire, that uh, Dave Gettleman is going to be sent packing. And then we enter that scenario that I've been worried about the whole time. You know, what do the Giants do at GM when they're going to force a coach and potentially a quarterback on another GM? It's going to dilute the pool. It's going to thin out the options. You've got to believe it will thin out the options. And then we stare down the barrel at that potential scenario where Kevin Abrams is put in as general manager and Joe Judge remains head coach. And then does anything change, really? Now, and you've put a good term on that, the half rebuild, right? Yeah, you know, yep. Hashtag half rebuild. That could, that could be coming here this offseason. You know, my big question with Judge right now for you, Dan, is, you know, he came out this week. He keeps saying, I want to do this the right way, right? <laughs> That's what we keep hearing. We're all committed to doing this the right way. And I'm just like, my question is, he keeps saying that the right way. What the hell is he talking about, right? Is he talking about building through the draft? Is he talking about building a culture through being super positive in his press conferences after, you know, tough losses? Like what the hell is the right way? You know, the Chargers, I thought are a good comp, right? That's a team that took a step up this year. 
they're not a Super Bowl contender, but they're a playoff contender. I think that's where we all were hoping the Giants would go, right? And then we watch that game against the Chargers. It's like, oh man, we have a we have a long way to go here. Even without Ooh. Daniel Jones, like we're not even close to this team. So the right way, the right way. Judge keeps saying that. Like, what the hell is he talking about? Well, actually, he was asked that question this week, and he gave me two thousand. And I'm not exaggerating. He gave a two thousand word answer. Well, that to means that it's a question. lie. Yeah, yeah. And basically what he said was that, you know, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, too. We got to kind of got a chuckle at it. He's uh, the process is more important than the victories on Sunday is the the way that he looks at it. And in in his mind and in his eye. And I do genuinely believe he's telling the truth when he says this, that he sees the progress that he wants to see from a lot of the young players on the team. He didn't name who those players were, and I would have loved to hear hear those names. I, I could name one, Xavier McKinney. Um, outside of that, I'd, I'd be hard-pressed to name anybody else that seems to be really heading in the right direction and making the necessary leaps. And that includes Daniel Jones, who I've, I've been high on for a long time. And I remain positive that you know that he, he could be something in this league, but I, you're probably not going to see it this year. I doubt he plays again. We'll see about that. Um, but, yeah, in that 2,000-word answer, it was basically more the same. It's, it's process over results at this point, which doesn't make sense in, in a results-driven business. But if that's really what Mara is committed to, then that's what they're going to get from Judge. He feels like he's got that time, and he's all about making sure players practice the right way, play the right way, study the right way. And that's all well and good, but if you know you're not getting the W's on Sundays or Thursdays or Mondays or whatever other game or whatever other day you play. You know, is the process really working? And I think that's the follow-up question that should have been asked, but but was not asked. That's a tough sell to the fan base when you're saying, I know you're not seeing it, but we're seeing it behind closed doors. So you just got to trust the process, right? That's that's that a tough one. Sense. If, yeah. if the Giants had been playing as tough as they played last year, even at, you know, four and nine, I think it would be easier pill to swallow for fans. But Let's just be honest. If you're comparing apples to apples, this Giants team is not nearly as competitive as last year's Giants team. That's just the reality of it. No doubt about it. And, and you mentioned Daniel Jones and the neck injury. It does sound like you know the reports here, the latest updates is that it does appear to be a season-ending thing. His teammates don't expect him to come back. At this point, you're 4-9. and nine. Why? Why bring him back if he's not right? There was an awkward report on the New York Post that ended up on the Giants wire, Dan, and this was... This was interesting, right? The original report says that Jones's neck injury was sustained in week 11 against Tampa Bay and not on that second play from scrimmage against the Eagles when Jones clearly got hit in the neck area, yeah. right? So, I mean, we all thought that you know, it was the Eagles game, and so originally you make that post, you're on Twitter, and it's like, wait, he was already hurt against Tampa Bay, and this was just a, a re- re-aggravation? What? And then that's been shot down, and there was th- that report was edited but not like there was no like, oh, we, we made a mistake here, right? There was no announcement by the Post or Paul Schwartz who wrote it. It was just like what you call the stealth edit, right? That you had to like, oh, wait, no, this article's been updated now. That was kind of a really awkward situation now, but it does seem like, okay, Jones was injured against the Eagles, and then we got Joe Judge kind of riding the fence on how serious the injury is, but it does feel like Jones is going to be out for the year. But what do you make of that whole mess with the post and that article and, and all that? It was interesting because it traveled so far so fast. And I'm not surprised so much that it did because even when I, when I read the article and I first laid eyes on that, I, I actually messaged multiple people and, and, and wanted clarification. Like, am I actually reading this correctly? Did Jones get injured against Tampa Bay because of that 
would have changed the entire narrative of the entire thing. And it would have called into question the Giants' decision to put Jones in against the Eagles. And that was a, would have been a fair question. And, you know, obviously that reached Judge. There were, you know, he acknowledged that there were people within the organization who reached out to him like, you know, what the hell? You know, what you put an injured Daniel Jones in there? My guess is in the aftermath is that it was just a mistake. You know, as the season wears on, you, you kind of get the seasons jumbled in your head as a writer, especially when the team is playing poorly and there's really not that much interest that's going on. So I kind of just chalked it up as, all right, you know, maybe they made a mistake. I think what happened after the fact, though, is because there was no retraction or clarification, there were a lot of other people that kind of took it and ran with it in a conspiracy mindset like, did the Giants crack down on the post? Did they demand that he change this? You know, what's the real story here? And you still have a lot of questions about that right now. And there, there is no clarity because the original post remains, although edited, not updated to clarify anything. So, you know, it, it kind of feeds to that whole conspiratorial thing, which it's easy to snowball right now because there's really nothing of positivity going on in Giants land. Yeah, I'm here for a good conspiracy theory. But, you know, from, from being in you know, sports media, writing a lot of articles, not really on this level, but you make mistakes. Mistakes happen. Yeah. You know, maybe yeah. maybe this is as simple as just kind of looking back at the schedule as you're writing the story and just getting the wrong team in there. Right. right? You know, that's, that's exactly what I, I that's that's precisely what I think happened. Yeah. But it was awkward. And, uh, you know, just everything with the Giants is awkward, Dan. Nothing can be straightforward and nothing can be done right. 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 <laughs> nothing can get done right the first time. Yeah. Um, coming up here are questions of the week. Stick with us. This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Ori Benini with TheHuddle.com here to bring you strong plays for Week 15. The fantasy football playoffs are upon us in most formats, so let's dive right in. Quarterback Tua Tonga-Bailoa, Miami Dolphins versus New York Jets. First of all, the Jets have picked off a league low four passes in 2021, and the position has averaged 15.6% more points per game than average in the last five weeks when facing this defense. Tua comes off his bye with a COVID-riddled backfield that could lead to extra passing attempts. The Dolphins are healthy enough at wide receiver and tight end, though, and feature a promising rookie in Jalen Waddle to give the Jets trouble. Tonga Bailoa went for 22.3 fantasy points in the Week 11 meeting, which was his best performance in the last five weeks. Sony Michelle, Los Angeles Rams versus Seattle Seahawks. This one's a little bit dicey just because of the situation. Running back Daryl Henderson has a thigh injury and was also placed on the COVID list last week, and he's uncertain for Week 15. Michelle has a strong matchup ahead and could be relied upon even more if Odell Beckham Jr. cannot clear the COVID protocols as well. In the last five weeks, running backs have averaged 34.2% more fantasy points per game versus Seattle than the league average. Both Henderson and Michelle scored in the Week 5 meeting, and the position has produced six different 20-plus point performances against this defense since that contest. Wide receiver Marquise Brown, Baltimore Ravens versus Green Bay Packers. Ever since tallying 116 yards on nine catches against the Vikings, Brown has averaged 46 yards on six receptions and no touchdowns in the last four. That's just 7.7 yards per catch. Not good. His speed could be an issue for the Packers, though, as they have allowed receptions for touchdowns of 79 yards, 54 yards, 46 yards, and 54 yards just in the last two games. And two of those came on short passes. There's some upside here with Brown Sunday, regardless of whether it's Lamar Jackson or Tyler Huntley throwing his way. Tight end Ricky Seals-Jones, Washington football team at Philadelphia Eagles. Seals-Jones returned from injury last week only to stink up the joint with one catch on his four-target performance. The Eagles have been exceptionally generous to tight ends in 2021, and no team has given up more catches 
catches, yards, or scores to the position. That's the triple crown in fantasy football matchups. If there's such thing as a get-right game for a career backup, this would have to be it. Quarterback Taylor Heineke's knee injury is worth monitoring, but he is expected to play. In your pursuit of a championship, be sure to check out thehuddle.com for more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, information, and advice. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, it's that part of the show, our questions of the week. Three questions for Dan that he's not prepped on. So this is a lightning round for you, Dan. And this one's just for me. Uh, we did this last week, the Jake Fromm stuff. We, we kind of covered this topic. So if people really want to hear us go in depth about our feelings about Jake Fromm, go ahead and, and listen to last week's show if you haven't already. But I was surprised to see, Dan, on Twitter that fans seem to be kind of united in wanting to at least see Jake Fromm start as soon as this week against the Cowboys. Are you with the masses? Do you want to see Jake Fromm at this point? No, <laughs> no, like <laughs> it's not, and it's not even anything against against Jake Fromm. It's just I don't see necessarily the value in it. Uh, I listen, starting Mike Glenn, and there's no, there's not a whole ton of value in there either. Uh, but what is it that you're evaluating at that point? You know, you're you're essentially throwing the games, and you got to remember, Judge is a coach who absolutely shredded the Eagles last year for throwing games. So you can't turn around a year later and do the exact same thing that you made such you know a stink over a year ago. Um, so right out of the gate, that's not going to happen. Um, but more importantly, like I said, I don't know what it is you're looking to evaluate it from. I said it last week on this particular podcast that. He was essentially a backup to a backup to a backup to a backup who didn't make it with the Giants. Um, so I, I don't know what it is that fans would expect, especially, you know, entering the last game. He's only had, you know, a small window of opportunity to, to learn the offense, to learn the system. He came out and admitted that, you know, basically he didn't have any of it down, that it was trying to take a final exam, having not ever gone to any of the classes um, you know, maybe you get 10% of the offense out of them a week now into it. Maybe you get another extra week into it. Maybe you get 50% of the offense. He has no rapport, no continuity with any of the players. Uh, I just don't see necessarily the upside of it. He was, you know, ironically almost, Jake Fromm was signed as insurance. And, um, you know, that, and that's what he's it. That's what he is, and that's what he'll continue to be as, as long as Glennon's healthy. You made a good point. He would be a tank, right? You put him out there, and and you would improve your draft positioning because yes, uh, he's he's he has no future as even a backup for you. Jake Fromm is here as an emergency situation in case. I mean, I think we saw it last week, right? Dan yeah, uh, Mike Lennon sure. couldn't practice all week, but he still started. And he didn't play very well in the game, but he still played the whole game. And he almost got injured in the game. So yeah. that's why you have Jake Fromm. Exactly. But yeah, no, Fromm, there's there's nothing to see here. Fromm, if, you, if Fromm goes in there, it's going to be a disaster, a complete disaster. And again, we go in depth on that last uh, in our episode last week. Go check that out for us if you haven't. Dan, question number two, speaking of the quarterback position, Russell Wilson in the Giants was in the news. Uh, <laughs> so let's just play with this a little bit because it's fun for a talk show, right? If Russell Wilson, hypothetically, were to were to uh, demand a trade, and Big Blue was indeed on his short list, as it's been reported, 
Would you give up your two top six picks this year? Like, you know, that's where they stand right now. Would you give up your two first rounders this year, the one you have from the Bears, as part of a package to go get them? What do you think? Personally, if it's me, and listen, I know a lot of Giants fans are already saying, yep, I would absolutely do it, no questions asked. I understand the draw of that. I really do, especially when you watch Wilson play on a bad team. He still looks good on a bad football team and uh, and behind a bad offensive line. Unfortunately, if he comes to New York, the offensive line is going to actually be worse. And I'm not sure if he could and produce in this particular offense, and I think that's part of the problem. If the Giants had a better built level of personnel on the offensive side of the ball, I would not have an issue with it. But the Giants lack depth. They lack the necessary starters at a multitude of key positions, uh, including both of their guard positions, arguably their center position, even when uh, Nick Gates comes back, clearly at the right tackle position. So you've got four real legitimate needs along the offensive line. So I don't believe that trading two first-round picks that could very realistically go to fixing that offensive line for a quarterback to then come in and play behind the worst offensive line is is the best course of action, uh, especially as the team continues this relentless rebuild. I just don't see a scenario in which that's the valuable right answer. I don't see how a 34-year-old next-year quarterback can come in and turn this offense around without fixing the problems that exist already as they are. So trading those draft assets that could be used on young talent to help fill those holes it just doesn't make sense to me as exciting as it would be to have someone like Wilson come on. Yeah, you mentioned that Wilson has looked, he, he somehow looks good behind a bad Seahawks team. That Seahawks team is 5-8 and eight right now. I, I looked it up. Wilson, he's fifth in the NFL in QB rating this year. 103.7. Yeah. It, it, it seems like he's sucked this year, right? It seems like he's had a bad year. He's had the finger injury he's been dealing with. You know, Russell Wilson, he, he's that kind of guy, Dan. He'd relish the opportunity, though, to come here and try to bring the Giants back to prominence. Beyond just being in New York, you know, that whole the brand thing, I think that's part of it. But I think Wilson's the kind of guy that would relish the opportunity to kind of lead you back to prominence. If you made the deal, though, you're right. The, your your next course of action would have to be O-line. You'd have to fix the O-line because bringing him here uh, behind a, a shaky offensive line is, is going to be tough. But well, I, I, if you other, could get Russell Wilson, that, you got to go get him, right? Well, that's well. Uh, the other thing that you got to really factor in here, even, even if you want to take you know that line when it comes to these hypothetical trades, it's that the Giants don't. First of all, they don't have enough cap space to bring him in at, at the money he's making right now. Uh, that's another big deal. So then you're going to have to thin out. That means you're going to have to thin out your roster even further to fit him in there. So not only will you not be able to solve those offensive line issues through free agency, you're actually going to have to deplete your depth further to bring in Russell Wilson, which only weakens the personnel around him as it is. So again, is it really worth it to weaken the rest of the team to bring in a strong quarterback? And I don't know that I don't know that that would be fruitful for Gettleman, whoever the next general manager is, or for the Giants as a whole. Ah, Dan, you could just grab a calculator and figure out the cap for him. It'll be fine. Come on. You know you could do that. All right, so speaking of hypotheticals and the offensive line, Giants fans might have noticed here. Here's question number three for you, Dan. Giants fans might have noticed the starting left tackle for the Chargers, number 70, who was out there kicking some ass, uh, Rashawn Slater. The Chargers took him at number 13 in the draft, a couple picks after the Giants, traded out of that number 11 spot. Uh, with the Bears to go back and get Kadarius Toney and and recoup that really nice first-round pick from the Bears. And that thing keeps looking better by the week, doesn't it, Dan? Uh, All right, so here's another hypothetical for you. If you could do it all over again right now, take your pick. Kadarius Toney and this really good Bears first-round pick that's definitely going to be top 10. Or would you take Rashawn Slater? 
and and you, now you have two franchise tackles with him and Andrew Thomas. What what would you do right now if you could go back in a time machine and and, and do it all over again? Boy, that's a really good question. Because isn't it? You know, isn't it? I'm it, proud of myself it, it, for this because, one. Right. Well, I mean, let's be honest. Um, you know, Kadarius Tony is he certainly flashed a time or two, but to say that his first season in the NFL has been clean. Um, that would be as dishonest as Joe Judge saying that he was pleased with what he saw after the Chargers game. So, you know, it's it's hard to look back on that and be like, hey, the Giants made a great decision based on what we've seen through, you know, one year. Really, I, I, if I'm being completely honest, if I went back and you're sitting there at number 11 and the Bears come calling and you have the picks out there, I might just go back and take make, make a Parsons and call it a day. He is a star. Uh, and There's then no granted Right. And granted, Slater at right tackle, Andrew Thomas at left tackle would solve a whole lot of problems. But is Slater really the long-term game changer that Parsons appears to be? I mean, if we're going based on what we've seen as a rookie, I, I think that's the pick you'd have to go back and make. So, yeah, I didn't think about Micah Parsons. And you want to make the argument between Parsons and Slater. That's really tough. That's really tough, right? It depends on your team, but it would be hard to pass on Micah Parsons. Because right? I think the key part of that question is right now. And right now, we know that Slater could be a cornerstone tackle. And we also know right now that the Giants are going to have a top 10 pick either way, whether they have the Bears pick or not, right? We know the Giants are in the middle of a tailspin, Dan. They're going to have double-digit losses, and they're going to be picking in the top 10. So I think if I could go back in time, I put Slater at right tackle maybe, and now I, have a, I still have a top 10 pick this coming draft. I think I would, I think I would do that over having the two, uh, the two top six picks. But it's close. It is close. Uh, but I think – I, think, I would love I to have Rashawn Slater on this team. He is right. good. He is good. Right. He is good. And I think what's going to make this conversation even more interesting down the line is seeing whoever it is that the Giants end up with with that Bears pick because then we'll really be able to go back and compare apples to apples and see how things look. Right now, it doesn't look like they did a good job. It just doesn't. That's not to say that Kadarius Tony can't come back healthy and make this tremendous impact. And the Giants don't get an amazing offensive lineman that's there for you know a decade uh, with that Chicago Bears pick. That very well could be the case. But as of right now, when we look at look at it objectively as things sit, you know the Giants missed the ball on that. They they could have taken Slater. They could have taken Parsons. Both would have, you know, fixed major issues that the teams have. The team has both offensively and defensively, and you know probably is what they're going to have to use one of these two picks on this coming year anyway, if not both. Fascinating. Yeah, I I, I threw that question about Rashawn Slater in there, Dan. I, I replaced the Michael Strahan. I had a Michael Strahan question coming at you, <laughs> but I replaced it because I know I know Giants fans are just they're just not in a place right now to really appreciate. Strahan getting shot up into space right now, right? They're just not. It's just like it's it's too tough right now. Too tough. The wound is still open. You know, it's a shame too because yeah. it's such a, it's such an awesome thing and such a cool story. And you know, he 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 set all kinds of weird like you know historical records. Like he was the tallest human being ever in the space. <laughs> he was the first pro football Hall of Famer in the space. He brought his Giants championship ring, his jersey of football. You know, that's all going to the Hall of Fame. Uh, his ring is obviously going home, but. You know, the story itself was cool, but it just fell at a time where it was so, so badly overshadowed by negative things that were going on with the team and the organization that it, it just didn't shine as much as it should have. Yeah, we got to do that thing. We got to shoot them back up into space during the offseason when there's more um, when there's more positive <laughs> vibes around the team. And we're feeling we, we got another shot, like a new season, new opportunities. But all right, coming up next, the. Uh, the Giants have the Cowboys at home. This is a game, I think, uh, a month ago, people were. 
where circling said, oh, man, the Giants can get this one. Not so much anymore for a variety of reasons, and Dan and I will get into all that coming up next. This is the Typical Sportsbook Minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slippin' Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.com. I'm here with my handicapping homie, Nathan Beagle, to break down this week's Monday Night Football game between the Minnesota Vikings and the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears are getting three and a half points at home. The total's 43 and a half. I'm on the Chicago Bears getting three and a half points because Matt Nagy Chicago Bears are five and one straight up and four and two against the spread since he became head coach in 2018. Also, I think Chicago's running game will be able to help out their rookie quarterback, Justin Fields. Minnesota's defense has the second worst rushing success rate. I'm on the bank of the Bears getting three and a half at home. Nate, how do you play this game? So I'm on the over here. Justin Fields showed what he's capable of against a good Packers defense last week and Chicago's top 20 and four of their last six games. Also, Dalvin Cook ran over the Steelers and the Bears don't have a great rush defense. Give me the over 44 and a half points. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, Dan, we uh, we record this show on, on Wednesday mornings, get a cup of coffee. Well, I don't know about you, but I got my cup of coffee and sipping my coffee. So there's some reports that are probably going to come out here later today. So that's just a quick, you know, let's just throw that out there to begin with. We're recording before these reports are probably going to come, but we know that Kadarius Tony has tested positive for COVID, and we know that Adam Schefter said that there has been just like this crazy amount of positive cases over the last couple of days, right? 75, I think you told me? positive cases and we we only know about half of them and there's a chance that there could be some giants right because if Kadarius Tony was positive for COVID well the whole team flew back on a plane from LA so we probably we could probably say that there's plenty of close contacts and probably there's gonna be some giants players that might end up being on this list right yeah it's it's going to be an interesting day today again on Wednesday as we're recording this uh it's pre-judge presser pre-practice walkthrough as it were um, but I do, unfortunately, expect there to be some news on that. I can't imagine a scenario in which there's not. Like you said, uh, Tony's positive test came back while the team was on the flight home from Los Angeles. They did isolate him on the plane, but six hours on a plane with positive plus person, it, it just seems like a scenario in which there's going to be, at the very least, close contacts. And this comes on the heels of an offensive lineman and a quarterback coach uh, you know, missing last week because they had tested positive. Uh, Kyle Murphy, their offensive lineman, just came off after testing positive. Um, and then you obviously see the breakouts, you know, with the Rams, the Browns, multiple other teams, multiple other sports as it is. Uh, the NBA and NHL also dealing with COVID issues right now. Uh, so I do expect that to be, you know, a significant amount of Giants news today as it relates to COVID and how it might or might not impact them. Um, they do have a vaccination rate up near 100%. Uh, not everybody, but a large portion of the team. Still, those close contacts, you know, in the, in the league's protocols, which are getting stricter for, you know, reasons that are obviously understandable as we get deeper into winter. Uh, I, just, I just can't imagine where the Giants escape this scenario with no additional damage when it comes to COVID. 
right now, or the last I checked on Tipico, the Giants were a 10.5 point home dog. It feels like you're getting the Cowboys at the right time, right? They're not playing great football on offense. Their defense is kind of on fire. You mentioned Micah Parsons. He's unbelievable. He might win Rookie of the Year and Defensive Player of the Year. He's kind of on that that path. Who was the last guy? Lawrence Taylor, the last guy to do that. <laughs> well, let's not. Uh, Who's that guy? I don't yeah. know. I don't want. To, I don't want to start making comparisons. Giants fans will kill nope, me. No, we're not going to do that. We're not That's doing that. Nope. <laughs> nope. He's not Lawrence Taylor. We're, we're just going to come out and say that. But that being said. I don't see a ton of value on this Giants team, right? We don't really no. know who's healthy, who's going to be available. And I think the Cowboys, they're just so hot on, on defense, and they do have so much talent on offense that even at 10.5, it's hard to think the Giants can really hang in this game, right? Um, I have, I, I'm afraid this game is going to be really ugly, if I'm being completely honest. Same. I, and, I, Same. and that's that's pre-whatever this COVID news is going to be. Um the Giants are just not playing well on either side of the ball. They, you know, the defense has held them together more often than not this season, but they didn't play well against Dallas the last time. They're not playing well right now. Uh, they're getting kind of beat up. They're getting thinner. Uh, they're getting tired perhaps more than anything else. They're spending an awful lot of time on the field. Now they're potentially going to be without Leonard Williams, um, if not for the rest of the season. It looks yeah. like at least for this game. That's that's a big deal. No doubt. Um, you know, Adoree Jackson is still injured. There's no telling whether or not he's going to come back in this game. So they've got all sorts of problems across the board. And, it, you know, it just seems like a get-right moment for Dallas, which I, I would hate to be for the Giants to be that step up for them where they finally get things, you know, back together, you know, taking advantage of the Giants. But it kind of is setting up where it's going to be that that kind of game. I think Parsons is going to just absolutely demolish the right side of the Giants' line just as every other far less talented edge rusher has done against them this year. So, and, and, you know, you've got Mike Lennon back there. He's not going to do a whole lot of running around and escaping. Um, the Giants are dealing with drops and Saquon Barkley's field visions all over the place. There's just so many things that are going wrong right now that I just can't imagine that they're going to be able to flip that switch and get it corrected by the time Dallas comes in on Sunday. So if I was a Giants fan, or I would tell Giants fans, they really should brace themselves for something that's not going to be very pretty this weekend. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, the, the right side of that line. You, you didn't like Nate Solder versus Joey Bosa in that game, Dan? That wasn't a good matchup for you? That wasn't on your matchups to watch? And I'm sure that Parsons is looking at this just absolutely. Because, you know, and again, we go back to week 11 and against the Bucks, and after the game, JPP was like, I, it's they're so easy to get past. I thought they were throwing screen passes. <laughs> yeah. And you've well. seen that same thing in film each week since then where there's an, a linebacker or a defensive end that's getting through the right side of the Giants line so easy that they literally stop and start backing up thinking that it's a screen. It was not exclusive to JPP in the Bucks, so that speaks volumes about how bad they're playing out there. And let me tell you something, Parsons, he's not going to stop and think it's a screen. He's just going for the quarterback, so Glennon's going to be in for a long day. And, um, you know, if they're going to score, it's going to be like it was last week where they get some garbage time stuff. I don't think it's going to be enough, though, to close the gap on that spread. Yeah, and never mind Parsons. That whole defensive line is just like scary, scary. Dallas's defense has really been a story this year. Uh, Let's talk about the total, Dan. It's 44 and a half. Um, My gut feeling is I like the over. Uh, I think the line's kind of getting pulled down because I I think probably odds makers think the Giants can't score. But as explosive as Dallas is on offense, and they've got, you know, a ton of weapons, right? Never mind Dak Prescott. You got CeeDee Lamb. You got Amari Cooper. Michael Gallup is back. Uh, You know, they're they're explosive on offense. 
Dallas is also very aggressive on defense. They kind of go for the big play. You can burn them. And, you know, you've talked about Mike Glennon doing some chuck and duck, right? I mean, I, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants hit a, a big play or two, uh, maybe score some in garbage time. 44 and a half, I feel like, is a, you know, that's a low number for a Cowboys game. And I know they haven't been playing great offense lately, but as you said, get right spot for them against a Giants team that's going to have some missing pieces on defense. I kind of like the uh, uh, the over, the over 44 and a half. But what do you think? No, I, I agree completely. Listen, the Giants aren't a good team against the run in the first place. Now Leonard Williams is not going to be in there. So this kind of has like a, a very heavy time possession favor in Dallas kind of feel to it. So the Giants are going to have to take those big shots, which is probably going to result in some turnovers, but it's also probably going to result in some points, especially late in the game where they're just passing because they have to. You know, they have to pass and they have to put some points on the board. So I can very easily see Dallas scoring 30 points and then the Giants making up the rest late in the game somehow with some, you know, garbage time stuff like we saw last week. And and maybe even they, you know, maybe even they push the 14 points. I can't believe I'm saying only 14 points. Boy, the Giants are bad. Uh, 14, <laughs> 14 victories points, over here. Right. 14 points throughout the game. And then, you know, maybe a touchdown or whatever late in the game is. Like I said, garbage time touchdown. But, you know, that does seem like a, a pretty low over-under for this because it is going to be a get-right game for, for the Cowboys. I hate to say it, but I'm just being realistic with it. That's what it's going to be. So um, I would I would actually say the Giants are going to lose the game. They're going to, you know, probably lose by more than two scores, but I still think the total is going to go over. We'll be here for it. Whatever happens, Giants-Cowboys. For Dan Benton, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us. Hit subscribe for us, and we will catch you next week. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.